Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Hey, thanks everyone for joining us on this Colorado Business Roundtable podcast, Profits and Purpose. And today we're welcoming Kristen Strom, who is the president and CEO of Common Sense Institute, which is a nonpartisan research organization dedicated to the protection and promotion of Colorado's economy. Welcome, Kristen. Thanks for having me, Debbie. Of course. This will be a really fun podcast because I'm interviewing you, but we're also working on a project together. So I think we're going to just tag team a little bit and tell everybody what we're up to. Does that sound good? We will definitely swap roles a little bit. And I might ask you a question or two, too. So (laughs) we'll see. We'll see if you get away with that. (laughs) But um, Great to have have you on. And um, what's really exciting, this is the first time our two organizations have partnered together. And we've been working for several months on what we're calling the Road to Recovery Initiative. And it really was a brainchild of one of my board members, Gail Denninger, who is an entrepreneur in Colorado, works in global logistics with his company, uh, Cap Logistics. And Gail has always felt like Colorado needed a business plan or a roadmap from the private sector to help guide a lot of our decision making. And as you know, Kristen, because you've been in the public policy space for so long, really, whoever wins office or whoever takes the helm, whether it's at the Capitol or in the governor's office, you know, they really drive the agenda for the state. And Gail's vision was how does the private sector lean in more into that vision? So it's more of a long term vision as opposed to who's in office. So he was the catalyst behind having us look around as the Colorado Business Roundtable on what kind of plans have been out there. And we really found a cool one out of Michigan, which I had shared with you and was really the catalyst for what we came up with. You know, and no better time to put together a roadmap and some planning than the time of COVID, right? I vividly remember getting the call from you. I think it was during the first shutdown, late March, early April, April, and you said, hey, I have this idea, but we would need some research done in conjunction with building a roadmap for the state. Could CSI maybe partner with us on this? And it's really, really exciting to see this project now come to fruition. It's been a labor of love for a lot of individuals and contributors. It's just been great to work with Colorado Business Roundtable as well. Yeah, absolutely. And we're coming to the launch. So hopefully we'll this podcast will come out before the launch. And then really, it's a long-term discussion for many months as we're going to be bringing some of these ideas into the public square. But Kristen, you're right. CSI played a really pivotal role. Tell Tell us a little bit about CSI's specialty with um, economic um, modeling and data and research and what you all bring to the table, because we really could not have put together a report like this without our collaboration. Well, thanks for saying that. Common Sense Institute, um, as Debbie mentioned, is a research institute. We were founded 10 years ago by a concerned group of Colorado business leaders who really felt that at the public policy making level of the state, whether it was at the legislature or at the ballot box, there was a void. And people did not have concrete facts and data to back up and build these policy proposals. Um, And so Common Sense Institute was created. And as you mentioned, we conduct dynamic econometric modeling, which might sound like a mouthful, it's really not. 
we basically can look at different proposals, whether it's a tax increase or a healthcare initiative, and say, hey, at the end of the day, what would the cost be to Colorado's economy and jobs? And is this the best solution moving forward for the state? And I think in while we're um, aligned in so many ways, our missions of our organizations are very complementary. While you provide data and facts and research, Cobert actually has the ability to then advocate on some of these issues. And we rely on data to help us formulate good public policy recommendations as well. And many organizations across the state actually rely on Common Sense Institute for their data. Isn't that right? Yeah, thanks for bringing that point up. It's uh, critical to our mission. We don't engage in advocacy. We actually have a really strict advocacy policy. We never say vote for or against or yes or no. You know, our focus, we have a really narrow lens, and that's providing Coloradans, business leaders, policymakers with the facts behind policy proposals. Absolutely. So I want to dive into a little bit of the framework before we jump into the actual pillars. And to give everybody some context, once Colorado Business Roundtable partnered with Common Sense Institute, we put together a little bit of a structure on how we would look at the road to recovery. And combining really the thought leaders from both organizations, I think, made some magic. And then we actually went out and recruited other folks who are part of the free market um, system, you know, executives, CEOs, entrepreneurs, industry leaders, um, you know, folks with specific expertise to come to the table and provide really an open, open dialogue of how do we lean into this particular problem. And as you mentioned, Kristen, COVID opened a door that really wasn't there before because it's a chance to really rethink systems and to rethink, um, in some ways, entrenched ideas and how do these folks with sort of this private sector experience weigh in? So in that framework, really, it started, um, and then we boiled down to three key pillars. And do you want to kind of give a sense, you know, big picture about those three pillars, and then we can kind of do, do a deep dive in each one? Sure. As you, I just want to make sure everybody understands, you know, this is a long-term vision, this this document. It's a working document. It's hopefully, it's a great tool for policymakers, for business leaders, but so many of the different working groups around the pandemic have been led, rightfully so, by policymakers. This was a chance and an opportunity for business leaders to come to the table, for business to have a voice. I'm really thrilled at the list of contributors. I think, Debbie, we're over, you know, 50, 75 contributors across the state um, who have contributed to it. And at the end of the day, these contributors settled on three main buckets the first of which was prioritizing a competitiveness agenda. It's no secret to Coloradans that we, at the end of 2019, early 2020, had the number one economy in the nation. There have been numerous stories written about Colorado's strength, our economic prowess. The key, though, is will we still have that ranking coming out of COVID? And what are different policy recommendations that we can do to maintain our competitiveness as a state. So that that committee was co-chaired by Liz Peets, who's on my board of directors, and Chris Schmitz, who's on your board, and they were just instrumental in putting together some great, great policy recommendations. The second of which was called Reimagining Tomorrow's Workforce. Again, where was Colorado positioned at the end of 2019? There were some K-12 issues that I think we are aware of as Coloradans. Our K-12 education system is not 
the top in the nation, we have some work to do. In addition, we have a lot of workforce needs that aren't being met. One stat that I'll just throw out is that 32% of all top tier jobs right now in Colorado require a bachelor's degree. And we are not meeting those demands currently. And so we're having to import a lot of talent. And so how can we reimagine our workforce needs and the challenges around our workforce to ensure that we have a thriving economy? And then the third pillar, the last pillar, is called invest in a future forward infrastructure. This one, we really focused on three main areas. Infrastructure in terms of transportation, roads, bridges. How can we get I-25 figured out, I-70 figured out, what do we need to do to ensure coming out of the pandemic, we might not be traveling as much on the roads, but there will be a point in time where Colorado's roads need serious attention. Also, how do we deal with broadband issues? More people are working from home. Um, Broadband connectivity is a huge, huge issue right now, especially in light of COVID. And then the third is on energy. You know, how do we maintain as a state energy affordability across the board? So those are the three pillars. We had great co-chairs and then contributors lend themselves to the creation of all of them. Yeah, very good. Let's let's jump into a deep dive into some of those now so folks can get a little bit of a sneak preview on what those are before they want to read the report. And starting with prioritize a competitiveness agenda, when I describe this for folks, I sort of say this is the tax and regulatory bucket. How do we keep Colorado business friendly? and a place where businesses want to uh, stay, grow, move here, and thrive. As you mentioned, Colorado being a top number one economy, we've really had some other rankings that show us consistently in the top five in lots of different economic rankings. And so part of the pillar really goes into, um, and I'll let you describe it. Why Why don't you give a framework first, Kristen, on these key pillar indicators that we do with every pillar, because that might help frame it the framework for each one, kind of where we were, where we are, where we want to be. Um, Give a little bit more context as far as that goes. Sure. So for each one of the pillars, we wanted to have some sort of measurement. You know, how do we measure progress? We have all these great recommendations. How do we know if we've actually moved the dial a year from now, two years from now? Um, And so we put together what was called key pillar indicators, or common sense, we were referring to them as KPIs. Um, that really looked at, okay, where was Colorado at the end of 2019? What was our rankings? Where are we currently in 2020? COVID has um, had a lot of disruptions, but with disruptions, there's also opportunity. So where are we currently in 2020? And then future forward looking, where do we want to be long term? For this pillar specifically, for pillar one on prioritize a competitiveness agenda, we really looked at Colorado's business climate overall. As Debbie mentioned, this is kind of the tax and regulatory bucket, um, and we do fairly well compared to the rest of the nation here. Where we don't do as well, though, on some of these competitiveness issues are on Colorado's cost of living. We have a lot of room to improve there. These KPIs are meant as a guiding tool for the policy recommendations that follow. There's so many that it's hard to go through them in a podcast. We'll have to send people to the website at the end so they can read the full report. But I love that it has an economic framework and a data framework that your team put together. um, And, you know, that just provides really good context as we go into the recommendations. So to give folks a a flavor of the recommendations from this pillar, 
Um, we've got some great ideas regarding uh, smart, targeted economic growth that improves the lives of all Coloradans, uh, not just a select few. We know that when the economy thrives, you know, how do we make sure all Coloradans benefit? Uh, we've got a couple different um, recommendations uh, supporting some of the governor's stimulus package, in particular one that increases the Advanced Industries Accelerator programs, which is critical to some high growth sectors already that contribute so much to our economy. We've also um, really got some pieces that are about tax and regulatory structure and keeping tax systems low for businesses, knowing that when a tax system is low, we're able to draw more businesses into our state. Kind of a nice variety of just making sure that the regulatory structure is set in place where businesses want to move to Colorado. And we've even seen some of that with businesses moving here from high tax states, you know, and trying to grow here, fleeing California, perhaps because of their regulatory environment. So the folks who put together these recommendations, I think, come from it from that point of view. They want to have a state where Coloradans uh, can, can thrive, and that means certainly that we have to keep employers here and know that we live in a competitive environment. And I'll just point out one specific recommendation that I really enjoyed working on. Um, one of our contributors, Nicole Real, who runs Epic, you know, one of these competitiveness issues is the child care problem that's been so highlighted by the COVID crisis. And so we have a bullet list of five different policy recommendations coming from business leaders or business solutions around the child care solution, which is truly a workforce problem right now in our state. Good point. And that almost kind of coincides with the workforce recommendations as well, because if you have talent who can't get into the office because childcare needs aren't being met, it certainly affects lots of folks, you know, for, for their ability to work and um, businesses' ability to conduct their business. You're, you're right. And so pillar two on reimagining Colorado's workforce was co-chaired by Scott Hughes with Apple and Dave DeVia, who runs the Rocky Mountain Mechanical Plumbers Association, both of whom have done amazing things in the education world, innovative, who have been at the table dealing with K-12 issues, but also post-secondary degrees and um, learning attainment. And so these recommendations are broken out into two different buckets, Colorado's K-12 labor supply, and then also Colorado's workforce demand. And again, I would just applaud the contributors to this who um, came to the table with a lot of great innovative ideas. Yeah, absolutely. And and kind of going into the first bucket, I think one of the pieces that really struck me the most, particularly in light of COVID, is one of the first areas is about ensuring equity of technology access. When we look across the state and really trying to have a four corners approach, there are children being left behind because they don't have perhaps access to broadband. They might not have access to devices. And how do we ensure equal access to education when they don't have equal access to technology? So that really encompasses kind of the very first batch of bullets in the first section. And then we've got some other really cool ideas that, you know, everything from supporting perhaps a tax incentivized savings account for parents to help fund needs outside of the education system to help give more robust educational options to, to these parents and these children. And um, some other really cool ideas to maybe break down barriers of access in that space as well. Yeah, um, and to dovetail off that on the workforce issue, you know, implementing financing models for adult training or upskilling, you know, leveraging private and public funds to create scholarship opportunities was an idea 
So really innovative ideas are just around education and workforce. Um, and the neat thing too about this report is that so many of the recommendations complement each other in terms of the pillars. You know, we talk about technology access, the third pillar on broadband and infrastructure, it really complements the whole priorities around those as well too. Tell me more about the third pillar. I know that kind of wraps it all up and you're right. There's a lot of synergies between the three. Yeah, the third pillar was co-chaired by Roberta Robinette, who's the president of AT&T, and Terry Stevenson, who's been a longtime community leader and voice for transportation um, solutions at the state. The two of them formed a wonderful committee that really looked at what are the infrastructure needs in Colorado? How do we rank as a state currently? Which, quite shockingly, you know, we talk about how we're at the top of the nation in terms of these economic indicators. Broadband energy, transportation, we're not. We're at the bottom. And so we have a lot of room in, um, to improve. And we have a lot of opportunity to come to the table, especially in light of COVID, with some of these great policy recommendations. You've done some of those key pillar indicators to know where we are. What? Give me a sense of some of the recommendations that were top of mind for you. For transportation specifically, Common Sense Institute actually released a pretty substantial report earlier this year and we've done a lot of work just around the key pillar indicators and the funding gaps for infrastructure. It's no surprise to anybody who's driven on Colorado roads that we definitely have some work to do. But in Colorado, at the end of 2019, we actually had a funding gap of about $500 million to $600 million per year just to fund state and local maintenance. And we've ranked eighth from the bottom having poor and deficient interstate bridges. And where are we now due to COVID? Revenue's gone down even more to, to, to help fix our roads. So again, there's a funding shortage. So a lot of these policy recommendations, especially in this section, identify, okay, what are potential solutions for business leaders, for policymakers, for advocates to come to the table and say, here's a solution to help us fix our roads. This report really, or that section, that pillar really takes on a lot in, as far as infrastructure. But I think to your point and to the point of all the folks who contributed, that particular pillar really has a lot in it when you think about infrastructure that Colorado needs to make sure we're positioned well in the future. And so really, really interesting Um Kind of the conclusion of the report, though, I like how we framed it. It's called Changes, Challenges, and Choices, which is a little bit of a mouthful as well. But tell me more about that. Like, what's the what's the finale of all the different recommendations and how do folks collaborate moving forward on these? I think, you know, we start that the conclusion saying that this is a historic time. There's awesome opportunity, though, for a business to come to the table You know, it's easy to be focused on the short term, but right now we also need to be thinking and planning for the long term and positioning Colorado in a place so that once we do come out of the pandemic, we're stronger and better than ever. So it's really a call to action for business leaders, uh, for community leaders, for advocates to come together, take some of these recommendations that you might think are great solutions, and let's start to drive them. Let's drive those solutions so that you know, a year from now, two years from now, Colorado is in even a stronger position than we were at the end of 2019. Which I think is so unique about Colorado. Don't you think, Kristen, like we're not happy just, just knowing that we were number one last year. You know, we're, we're competitive and collaborative. We're like, okay, well, we know we can be number one. We're actually in a really good economic position compared to so many other states who have 
a lot of other um, economic problems to start with. So I like that we're kind of fierce about wanting to make sure that we're positioned as such a good state for the long term. This is this is my home for probably uh, the rest of my life. Perhaps you feel the same way. Like we're invested in Colorado's economic future. Most definitely. Well said. And to that point, too, it'll be fun to think through. I know we've talked about having a summit this summer to know that there's going to be a road to recovery 2.0. You know, this isn't over. This is a long term conversation And COVID has put so much um, on the table in terms of um, economic devastation to parallel with what's been happening with, of course, health devastation. But um, we we do have this great opportunity, but we're not going to get out of it anytime soon. So that's why this long-term approach and revisiting this again this summer and perhaps on a regular basis will be so vital. Yeah, we look forward to doing that, to convening everybody again later this summer. Do you feel um, excited about our launch? Are you ready to let the world know about Road to Recovery? Yeah, everybody make sure to RSVP and tune in on Thursday, December 10th for the Road to Recovery launch. We're going to be hosting a webinar and more details can be found either on the Common Sense Institute website or the Colorado Business Roundtable website where you can log in and RSVP. Perfect. Well, thanks for coming on today to tell us more about Uh, road to recovery. And it's been such an honor to work with you and your team to help build Colorado's economic future. It's been fun. Thanks, Debbie, for inviting us. Thank you. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.